Hello and welcome to the City of Roseville's first podcast. I'm Brian Jacobson and we'll be hosting a series of these exploring the issues, opportunities, plans and projects affecting Roseville with the hope of giving you a better understanding of your city. Today we'll be talking about the city budget with city manager Rob Jensen. Being the CEO of the region's only full-service city, the Roseville city manager is responsible for a half-billion-dollar budget and overseeing 15 departments in various specialized industries, as well as 1,200 full and part-time employees. Rob began his career in the city in 1990 as a public works assistant engineer. He then became public works director and assistant city manager before being named acting city manager in June 2015. The city council gave him a three-year contract to serve as city manager at the beginning of 2016. Uh, Hey, Rob, thanks for for doing this for us. You're welcome. Uh, In your more than 25 years working for the city, you've seen a lot of changes. Can you talk about some of those? Sure. Roseville was a fantastic community 25 years ago, and it's even better today. Um, When I moved to Roseville, um, we had three restaurants. And one of my favorite ones was called Diamato's, and it's out of business now. But we only had three places to go, and one of them is Sizzler, and it's still here. Um, but we've seen a lot of growth and a lot of amenities of providing value to the community. Uh, we used to need to go outside of Roseville for just about every service that we needed, and now we've got them all internally focused. We've added quite a few parks. Uh, we've added housing stock. We've improved our infrastructure. It's a fantastic community, and it's just getting better. The council just recently passed the FY17-18 budgets. Uh, what are the biggest budget challenges the city's facing right now? Well, it's our general fund budget. Um, our enterprise funds are doing well. The council's adopted policies to ensure that we're fiscally strong with our utilities, um, with our transit. All of those are, are very well addressed. Unfortunately, our general fund budget, which relies heavily on sales tax and property tax, um, has some challenges that go along with that. We've seen... the manner in which people shop change, which has affected our sales tax revenue. Um, We've seen what the recession can do for us with property tax and see us lose revenue that provides the services that our community expects. We see that trend continuing into the future. And to ensure that we're fiscally responsible and we're providing the services that the community needs, the council's asked us to take a deeper look at how we fund our services Um, What are the services that are important to the community? And make sure we come back with a balanced budget every year, which is forcing us into some tough tough choices. Can you talk a little bit about the Community Priorities Advisory Committee and the Engage Roseville effort? Sure. Um, This effort actually started last October at the Council's Goals Workshop, where we started having a more of an in-depth discussion about where we were fiscally. And the Council at that time felt it was very important that we engage the community in that discussion, that this not be a staff-driven effort or a Council-driven effort. It's really engaged the community at large. We came back to the Council in February and asked them again, do they want us to move forward? We had a different Council and make sure we're still on the right track. And they were uh, adamant that we need to keep pushing forward with this. So. Um, This last month, we came to the council with the formation of a Community Priorities Advisory Committee, or Engage Roseville, as we're um, calling it. And the purpose for that is to really engage the community on what the services are that we provide, what the cost of those services are, and how they would prioritize those if we needed to make reductions going forward. At the end of the day, the goal is we need to match our expenses with our revenues. We're not going to spend any more money in a given year than we bring in in a given year. And we want to make sure that we're fiscally stable today, and we're also setting a framework so that we can be fiscally sustainable 5, 10, 15 years in the future. That's what our community expects of us, and that's what we're charged to do. Being a service organization, the the city's largest expense is labor. 
So what has the city done to lessen the cost of labor? We actually started this effort a number of years ago, and we began looking at the services that we do provide, and are we being as efficient as we can in doing all of those services? We hired outside consultants to come in and look at what we do and look at how we operate and make sure that we are as effective and as efficient as we can be in providing those services. And what came back from all those reports is based on the service levels we have been providing, um, they were quite surprised at the high level and quality of service that our community um, is receiving. They also made findings, though, that if we were to continue to grow and keep their service levels the same, we need to expand staff in order to do that, and obviously costs come along with that. Another step that we've taken is our labor groups have partnered with us in looking at how can we start controlling some of our long-term costs, how can we slow growth, how can we make sure that we're all engaged in trying to solve this problem, and I'm very pleased with what our labor groups have done, and that they've looked at how they can pick up bigger costs of their pension, how they take a bigger role in paying for their um, health coverage going forward how they can slow growth uh, with respect to how salaries are set. And actually, in some cases, reducing salaries by, for some of the positions by as much as 21%. So I think staff has done quite a bit in trying to control those things that we have the ability to control. So what has the city done to control labor costs? Back in 2007, we were a highly functioning machine here at the city, and we had uh, a number of staff that were designated for tasks um, that we needed to perform, and we had the development that would offset some of our costs going forward. Um, when the recession hit, we were forced to do a couple of things. One, we had to immediately reduce our staffing levels, which meant we had layoffs to try and address the budget shortfalls we were having. But we also looked at how we could be more efficient in what we did. As a result of that, we significantly reduced the number of general fund positions from 2007 till now. Um, that reduction was about 200 employees, and on a per capita basis, the numbers were we were about eight employees per thousand uh, capita, a uh, thousand persons living in the city, and now we're at about five employees per thousand. So we've reduced that number significantly. There's a lot of things that we can't control, and those are the things that um, cause us pause in looking at how we're going to address these issues going forward. And what are some of those things? Um, state mandate's always a big one that comes up. The state continually looks at services that they provide that they can no longer afford to do and look at cities to provide those services for them. Stormwater is probably the best example that we have. Um, that was something that was typically an enforcement effort that was done by the state. State pushed it onto cities. Cities are obligated to regulate that, which costs us about a million dollars a year to implement. Um, if we don't do that, we're fined by the state, but it's an obligation that we have, and it's a general fund cost that has never been budgeted for in any of our fiscal models, and it puts stress on our system. So the recession is over, the Great Recession is over. Why are we still having these issues? Well, during the recession, what the city did and what a number of organizations across the state did is they borrowed against their reserves in order to maintain service levels, thinking this would be a short-term event and we'd be able to recover quickly. Unfortunately, it lasted much longer, and it showed to all of the cities across the state how vulnerable we are to any kind of dip in revenue. And during that time frame, we lost over $50 million in revenue. And so that was funds that we borrowed from our reserves that we need to pay back. Um, in order to pay those back and then continue to grow the services that we have has proved to be a challenge for us and has created the, this issue that we're in today. 
So what are the broader changes in the economy that are affecting our revenues? Well, it really comes from two areas. Um, the first is our sales tax revenue. Um, typically, people go to brick and mortar shopping and purchase goods and the city receives a portion of the sales tax that comes from that. What we've seen over the past five years, and it's growing exponentially, is the amount of online sales that are taking place. And in a large portion of those purchases, the city is not receiving any sales tax revenue that comes from that. We've had a study done that says today the city's probably losing three to four million dollars in revenue from online sales that we could be using to provide for the services that the, the city provides. In addition, we're seeing that people are changing the way they shop. In the past, they used to buy a product. For instance, they would buy a lawnmower and then go mow their lawn and we'd receive the sales tax from the mower. But what we're seeing now is people will purchase a lawn service and they'll come and mow their lawn for them and there would be no sales tax revenue that we would get from that service that we're providing. So in the past, 70% of the items that people would purchase would be taxable and 30% would be services. We're seeing that reversed and flip-flopped and that's had a significant impact on our revenue stream. Even though sales tax is flat, we're still making a lot of money from the gallery and the auto mall, aren't we? I think that's a misconception of the community as far as the amount of revenue that the city actually receives from sales tax um, for purchases made in Roseville. And the Galleria Mall is a great example. There's about a half a billion dollars in sales in the Galleria every single year. And if you look at a 7% sales tax, that's $35 million. That's a lot of money that the, the city gets. Unfortunately, we don't get $35 million and we don't get seven cents. We get one cent. So of that half a billion dollars in sales that occurs at the Galleria Mall, the city gets about $5 million. Now that's a good number, um, but it's not nearly the amount that's necessary to provide all the services that we need to provide for our community. And then what about property tax? Property tax is a major source of revenue for the state of California and for the county, but it is not a significant revenue stream for the city as a whole. Um, most people have a property tax bill, and I'm going to use a $10,000 property tax bill as an example. So uh, residents that pay that assume that $10,000 is going to the city of Roseville to provide the services that we provide. And that's actually not true. The majority of that goes to the state, which funds state services and schools. The city gets about 15% of that $10,000, so we actually get about $1,500 of that $10,000 to provide city services. So the city has grown a lot in the last 10 years, 25 years. How has that impacted the budget? Well, growth actually helped us quite a bit during the recession as it helped us maintain some of the service levels we have because there is value that comes from growth, whether it be from property tax or sales tax that occurs. And that model continues to hold true um, moving forward. Unfortunately, um, it doesn't address the issue that we have today. It's basically keeping us status quo and not allowing us to fall farther behind than we are today. Additionally, new growth pays for new infrastructure to serve the residents of Roseville. If we were an island city and had no growth occurring, a growth would occur all around us and we would have the impacts, for example, from traffic, but we wouldn't have revenue in order to expand our roadways to accommodate that increase in traffic that's happening as a result of something that's not of our choice. Having growth and being able to control that allows the city to leverage development to pay impact fees in order to address those issues, to build new parks, to expand our roadways, to make sure our water, wastewater infrastructure is, is up to date. All those things are positive for the communities and that's why we continue to look at opportunities to leverage growth for the betterment of our community.
We've talked about challenges. What are opportunities for the city moving forward? There's a lot of opportunities. Just as 25 years ago we had no restaurants and we grew into having a full-service city, there's opportunities that abound for Roseville and actually South Placer when you look at it as whole and also this whole mega region. One of the things we're lacking in Roseville is higher education. Uh, we recently partnered with Warwick University to um, locate their graduate school into our downtown. Sierra College has moved some of their classes into our downtown. Uh, we have had discussions with Sac State about a satellite campus north of Roseville and then Warwick looking at a four-year university to the west of us. All of those are positives in growing our economy and the economic impact it could have to the community as a whole in order to provide the service that we need. Um, additionally, I'm very bullish on our community staying engaged. I think that a community is only as strong as its residents in being able to move things forward. And we have had a very strong council in order to make sure that they are focused on what's important to the community. That direction has stayed strong and our community has been, uh, in my mind, very grateful for what we've done. We've had community surveys that were performed that showed that 97% of the residents think we're doing a great job in providing those services. That's unheard of, not only in California, but across the country. And that's a reflection on our staff. I think our staff is engaged. They wanna make sure that what they do, they do really well. Um, our community's engaged. We get calls regularly. We get emails all the time. We're responsive. We get back to them within 24 hours. Um, we want them to know that we're listening and that we want to address issues where we can do that. Um, but I think there's nothing but an upside for Roseville as long as we as a community keep focusing in on what is it we want and how do we get there. I mentioned in the introduction that Roseville is a full-service city. What does that mean and why is it important? Being a full-service city is a huge economic benefit for our community. Being a full-service city means that not only do we have our own police department and our fire department, but we have our own parks and rec department. We control all of the utilities that serve our community. For anyone that wants to locate a business in Roseville, it's really a one-stop shop. They can come in and get all of the answers that they need in order to determine what makes the most sense economically for them as to where they're going to locate their business. If you go to another city that's not full service, they may talk to the organization and get some impact from or uh, input from their planning department as to, well, here's what the zoning is, here's what you can do but go talk to the water district to see how you're gonna get your water or go talk to the sewer district and how are you going to um, serve your development from an energy perspective, who's the electric company that's serving it. Uh, we have a huge advantage with Roseville Electric where we have a very stable and reliable utility at some of the lowest costs in the state of California. So all of those things combined when a company is looking at where do they wanna locate, uh, really tip the needle in our direction um, and that's good for um, our residents. If you look at the majority of where our property tax comes from, um, the majority of where our sales tax comes from, that comes from those businesses that locate in Roseville. And so we want to continue to ensure that we do that. We've talked about the last 25 years. Where do you see the city in the next 10, 20 years? I envision it continuing to get better. I think that's what our community expects of us. I think that's what our council expects of us. I think it's what we as staff expect of us there's a lot of things that we can still provide to the community. We want to make sure that we have the quality of life that they've come to expect. That's our parks, that's our schools, that's our housing, that's the entertainment. All of those things that come together that make a community what it is. Um, we have challenges in front of us and 
part of what we need to do is work to solve those and in some cases use that to our advantage. And that's one of the things that Roseville's done in the past has taken those challenges and said, how can we leverage that to provide something even better to the community? So I think that's the role that we as staff play. Um, obviously, staying engaged with the community, making sure we're transparent in everything we do to continue to maintain the trust they have in us with us. That's important. Just like we added hundreds of restaurants, I think there's lots of other things that we can continue to do, whether it be recreation, increased transit services, increased education opportunities. All of those things play a role in making a really healthy community. Okay, thank you, Rob. You're welcome. Thank you. We've been talking to Roseville City Manager Rob Jensen. Thank you for listening to our first podcast. I hope you subscribe and listen to our future editions. We'd also love to hear your feedback, which you can do easily by emailing us at egov at roseville.ca.us. That's E-G-O-V at roseville.ca.us. There are several other ways to connect to your city. We have multiple accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Nextdoor. We also have many free electronic newsletters on a variety of different topics, including job openings, public safety news, city events, and more. Go to roseville.ca.us slash connect to sign up. Again, I'm Brian Jacobson. Have a nice rest of your day.